As I, as I was looking at today's uh, gospel, um, I, I'm, I'm, I think I have a little bit of a PTSD almost of sorts. Because um, every time I hear a story, or one of the stories about Jesus on the lake and the storm, um, I can't help but immediately go back to Hurricane Ida. Um, the, the, the day before Hurricane Ida hit landfall, I remember I got a phone call uh, from a buddy of mine. He was a, uh, a priest out in, uh, in Lake Charles. Uh, and he called me. He says, hey, man, uh, just calling to see. Do you, do you have a place to go when, when you leave it? And, and I remember my response was uh, one of the dumbest things I could have said. I said, we're not leaving, right? Um, at the time, I was at St. Hillary. Um, and I remember just, we, we never, I've never left for a hurricane before um, with my family. We've always just said, we're just going to batten down the hatches, you know, like we're just going to kind of border up, stay inside, we'll be fine, everybody's going to be okay, go to our grandma's house or go to a friend's house or a family's house, a family member's house that has like a brick house because our little shotgun house, who knows where we're going to end up, if it's going to be floating down the bayou as a new houseboat, right? Um, So I remember just thinking, we're just going to ride it out, we'll be fine, no big deal. Uh, And I told him this, and his first response, now he had gone through Hurricane Laura a year earlier, and his first response to me was, that's not smart. And I was like, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Hung up. And I remember hanging up just having this eerie feeling of like, this might not be so smart. During the course of the storm, uh, we all, if, if you stayed, you know. If you didn't stay, you, you probably have an idea because you probably heard stories from people. Um, but I remember during the course of the storm, it was in the afternoon at some point, you know, some 10 hours into this thing and, and just struggling. And just like it was a few of us that were in the rectory and we were trying to just kind of take our mind off of what was going outside, you know, playing cards and talking or whatever, and um, generators going. And all of a sudden, from the kitchen, I could hear this banging noise, just bang, bang, bang. Now, I've been in enough storms, I've been in enough situations like this to know um, that when there's a banging noise going on, that uh, if, if there's a banging noise on the house somewhere outside, that can go really bad very quickly. So I start walking around inside the house, trying to kind of get an idea, following the sound. And what had happened was one of our, we had replaced some windows, and and one of the windows, the the shutter didn't close all the way. And as the storm was coming, I had tied it up. Well, it untied. So you hear, bang. It's a wooden shutter banging against a glass window. That's usually not a good sign, right? (laughs) So immediately, I just said, okay, I walk out. Somebody was like, what is it? I said, I explained what was going on, and I was grabbing my rain jacket. My associate was sitting there, and he looks at me and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to tie it down. And he's like, that, that's not smart, right? This is, a, this is an ongoing theme throughout this course of a couple of days. He says, he says that's, not, that's not smart. I said, I got it. Leave me alone. Get out of the way. I'm going. And like, he's trying to like hold the door, like, like, no, you shouldn't go. And I'm like, I'm going to move you if you don't get out the way. So go out. I tie it down. We, we, we reinforce it. Everything's fine. Come back in. And then they, they, he proceeded to kind of like try and chew me out. And I, finally, I looked at him and I said, hey, let's play this out for a second. He says, what? I said, it's 150 mile power winds outside, right? He said, yeah. I said, okay. When that window breaks, what happens? Well, the window's broken. I said, no, wind doesn't stop. It's going to go somewhere. I said, so when it gets into the house, it gets into that room, then it's going to go into the attic. And once it goes into the attic, the nice roof that we have over us that's protecting us becomes a really, really big, really, really expensive kite. And now we don't have a house. 
He was kind of shocked. <laughs> I said, so I had to go out and tie them. Now, I remember the, one of the things that when, when I opened that door to sneak out the front into the front, um, that, that wind hit me like a truck. Like that was, that was one, I remember the adrenaline just pumping. It took me a good two hours to kind of calm down just because when I walked outside, it was all of a sudden the fear, like there was a fear that I felt in my fingertips, right? Because it was something I'd never experienced before. I'd never gone through before. Completely overwhelming and completely and utterly powerless. Now, this story is, is probably not as dramatic as many of them have you, as you've heard. But I think it does a good job for us to explain Peter today. Because one of the things that, that I, I, I've always kind of, or just like in looking at today's gospel, that I, I just want to highlight for us, is St. Peter, I think, today gets a bad rap. Because St. Peter, at the end, right, the payoff of the whole story, the payoff of the whole episode with him and Jesus is, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And we could just kind of sit there, oh, Paul's bed, Peter, he's so sad, right? Oh, look, he's messing up again, right? But if we really break down Peter in this episode, if we really break down who Peter is, how he's acting, what he's doing, I think he's got a little bit more credibility and he comes out looking a little bit better in the end. First off, um, it was only a few chapters before this in Matthew's Gospel that Peter and, and the rest of the apostles, the rest of the twelve, the twelve disciples, are called to Jesus, right? That Jesus calls them. Matthew, Mar, uh, Matthew, uh, John, Peter, James, like the whole group of them, right? He, he calls them to himself. And then he goes into a couple of different times where we hear him preaching, and we hear him teaching, and he's doing a few things. And, and, and he's doing some healings, and he's doing some different moments of just some, some, some beautiful miracles for people. And in fact, right before today's Gospel is the feeding of the 5,000, right? Where Jesus does a really, really awesome thing with some fish and some bread and makes sure everybody can eat. He's good Cajun, right? That's great. Peter is with him on his hip every step of the way. He's following him every step of the way. He's listening to everything he's got to do. He's there with the baskets. He's there with the fish, with the bread. He's there for everything, seeing it firsthand, up close and personal, front row seat. Then Jesus does something that's kind of odd. Today, after he feeds the people, he sends his disciples ahead. You guys go. I'm going to pray. Now just imagine Peter. He left house, home, he left everything. And he's been following this person who he's starting to believe is the Messiah. He's starting to believe that he is who he says he is. He's starting to believe that this is Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is almighty, all-powerful, and God's Son on earth. He's starting to believe it. And then he gets told, go away. He's, I don't know how lonely he must have felt, but for me, there's something there of a rejection, a loneliness. Just go. I'm going to catch up with you, but just go. 
I, I think about the difference of this, this storm compared to every other storm that I'd ever gone through. I was always with my family. I was never the one that was responsible for everybody in the room. I was never the one that had to go and do these kind of things because usually if that kind of thing was happening, my dad was the dumb one that went outside, right? But instead, I had to do it. i got to think, Peter is feeling some of that. And now Peter, he gets into a boat, and they are going through this. They're going through the Sea of Galilee. Now he was a fisherman by trade. He knew the he knew the landscape. He knew the place. He knew that the Sea of Galilee was famous for having storms flare up and go down. Right, really intense storms, just because of the the place that it is, just because of the weather patterns, because of the 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 geography of the area. That it was something that was typical. That there might be storms that kind of come up and storms that kind of die down. And as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, we read that there's a couple of miles in. The stretch across the Sea of Galilee is only about six miles. So they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Every way that they look, there's land, but none of it is close enough to do anything for them. And he feels a storm well up, a storm that comes up that even scares him. He's the professional Matthew's a tax collector. Matthew is counting money. Matthew's a banker and an IRS agent. Matthew doesn't know anything about water. Peter's a fisherman. He's supposed to know. So he's got the responsibility on him to take care of everyone. Think about the pressure that he's feeling. And then through all of the wind and the waves and all of the craziness and all of the chaos, they see something that they cannot understand, right? Remember, land is distant. They can't see. They can't get to the land. They don't know what's on the land. They just know there's a mountain over there and there's a town over there. But they can't get to it. And they see somebody walking to them on the water. And once he hears Jesus' voice, once he hears Jesus say that I am, right? That, that same name from the Old Testament that Moses, spoke, that Moses heard, right? The, same, the, the, the thing that reveals his identity, reveals that he is God, right? Whenever Jesus says, I am, Peter all of a sudden jumps into action. And he says, if it's you, you can prove it through me. Let me come to you in the water. Despite the pressure, despite the expectation, despite him needing to be in charge and leading everyone and keeping everyone safe, despite the rejection that he may have felt, despite the failure that he may have felt, what does Peter do? Peter acts. And he acts with the greatest faith of anyone else in the boat. And he does something that is absolutely impossible. He walks on water. When I step on water, I sink. When you step on water, you sink. Peter walks out to Jesus on water. Does something that is absolutely impossible. This this story oftentimes is looked at Peter as he's the, oh look, poor old Peter doing his same thing, right? Foot and mouth disease. He's the same one that's going to get called, he's going to say the right thing, but didn't get called Satan. He's going to be the one that denies Jesus. He's going to be the one that does all these different things. At the end of his life, he's going to try and run away from, a, from what he's supposed to be doing. But 
Peter shows the greatest act of faith out of any of the apostles. Because he looks at Jesus and he says, you can accomplish the impossible. Not me, you. Now, what is it that causes him to sink, though? Well, we hear, once he's walking on the water, he's doing this impossible, right? He's on his way to Jesus. All of a sudden, it says that he starts to see the wind and see the waves. He starts to see the chaos around him. When he starts to recognize all these things that are going on around him, all these things that are weighing down, he starts to realize, I'm doing something that's impossible that I should not be able to do right now. He starts to doubt, he starts to question, and he starts to take his eyes off of the Lord, and it just drops. Just a little. And he starts to stink. He starts to sink. He starts to go down. He feels himself being overwhelmed. As long as he's focused on Jesus, as long as he's focused on God, he's being lifted up and he's lighter than water. But the moment that he starts to look at the rest of the world, he starts to get weighed down and pulled down into an abyss. And he knows what happens when you fall overboard in a storm. You're lost. Peter teaches us two things today. Number one, the courage that it takes to follow the Lord, to fall in love with the Lord, right? The courage that it takes to be His disciple, to say, yes, I'm going to build my life around You, Lord. I'm going to focus everything in context of You, Lord. That my entire life would be defined by my relationship with You, Lord, before anything else. And the second thing he shows us is the absolute necessity of keeping my eyes there and not straying. Of staying focused on Him and not going anywhere else. There's a quote that, that, that gets shared a lot, um, and I think it's really beautiful and it's really practical, about what this looks like to establish that relationship with God. Um, it's from Father Pedro Arupe. Now, you've probably heard it before. It's, I know it was Father, one of Father Mitch's favorite quotes. Um, I know Father Patrick likes it a lot. I like it a lot. Basically, any young priest, we love it. So, if you've heard it before, I want you to hear it again, just for, with new ears. Father Pedro Arupe, he's the head of the Jesuits, and he was asked one day, um, could you give us something practical about our relationship with God? Like something practical, practical about growing in, in sanctity and holiness. And this is what he said with the reporter. He says, Nothing is more practical than finding God. That is, than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning. What you do with your evenings. How you spend your weekends. What you read. Whom you know. What breaks your heart and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. This is the kicker. He says, fall in love. Stay in love. And it will decide everything. The falling in love part is the easy part. The, the, the falling in love is the easy, the fun part. Like think of a relationship. <laughs> like think of, think of when, when, when you were 
about to marry your, like when you met the person that you ended up marrying, or, or just like the puppy love of like kids in like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, right? Like there's, there's the easy part, it's the questions, it's the getting to know, it's the fun part, it's the adventure, right? That, that's the easy part. It's the first date and awkwardly like touching the girl's hand and hoping she grabs it, right? Like it's like doing the movie thing where it's like, ah, okay, and put the arm around, right? Like it's like all those kind of things. It's the fun part, it's the easy part. Staying in love is the hard part. The eagerness of falling in love is the easy part. But the courage of staying in love is the hard part. This is why, I, I, I will be honest, I love weddings. Weddings are a lot of fun. Weddings are beautiful, especially when the couple gets it, right? But there is no wedding that I've celebrated that has been more beautiful than any 50th anniversary blessing I've ever done. Because a wedding is, is nice and it's wonderful and it's exciting. But it's easy. <laughs> Flowers, cake, all that kind of stuff. Maybe not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but it's much more easy. The 50th anniversary, that, that, that's a love that's been tested. That's a love that's suffered. That's a love that's struggled. That's felt something. That's had to sacrifice for the sake of another. Falling in love is the easy part, but staying in love, that's the hard part. Peter shows us that his eagerness to get out of the boat is easy, like he's excited, he's fired up. He says, Jesus, I believe you and I'm going to follow you and I can't wait to go, I can't wait to go where you're going to lead me. But staying and believing is hard. You wouldn't be here today you would not be in this church today at 10.30 on a Sunday morning if you didn't have some experience of God's love. If you did not want to respond to God's love and say, yes, I love you too, Lord. But Peter reveals to us and shows us that that's the easy part. The hard part is staying there. Especially when wind and waves and struggles and hardships and disaster awaits in our world and in our life. But can I stay focused on the Lord? Like right now, I know a lot of people, it's, it's beginning of school and some people, they might, they, they might, their, their kids might be going into these new phases of life, right? I can think of like when I went off to college, my parents... They would constantly cry. I, I, I still remember this is a great story. Um, my, one day, my, my dad, my mom and dad, I was leaving for school. I was going back to college. I was going back, and my mom and dad are sitting around, and they're, they're both tearing up. My dad would go mow the grass and hide, hide from his feelings from everybody, right? But my mom's sitting there. She's tearing up. My sister, six years old, was still living at home. <laughs> um, so she's, <laughs> she's sitting there talking to my mom, and my mom, she's asked my mom, she's like, can like, oh my gosh, y'all, y'all cry every time he leaves? And they're like, yeah. And she goes, are y'all going to cry whenever I leave? And my mom looks at my sister plain as day and says, leave and we'll find out. It is great. Um, but if we think about it, but if we think about it, there's stuff that's going on. It might be serious stuff. It might be sickness. It might be struggle. It might be a parent that's about to pass. 
It might be addiction. It might be a diagnosis. It, it might be all kind of big, serious things. But it also might just be stuff of life. Empty nest. It might be a college student who's moving into a dorm and has no idea what's awaiting them, and they don't know where their classes are, but you know what? They're excited, and they're supposed to be excited, but deep down, they're freaking out. <laughs> might be walking into a new school, elementary, high school, for the first time. But can we focus, despite all of those things, despite how big or how small the wave or the storm, how strong or how soft the wind, can we remain focused on the Lord before all else? That's what Peter teaches us. There's an eagerness in us to say, yes, Lord, I love you too. But there's a courage to remain in that love. Today when we come to Mass, this is what we're being invited into. Because Jesus is going to step down to us and He's going to say, I, I still want to be the Lord of your life. Like I'm still inviting you in, despite the storms, despite the struggles, despite what might be holding you back. Despite what might be overwhelming you today. But Jesus is just saying, reset your gaze. Refocus on Me. And together, let's get through it. Together, let me lift you up. Together, let's do the impossible. Today when we come to Mass, this is what the Lord's inviting us into. Relationship with Him. To be focused on Him. Not be distracted by wind and waves and everything else. Peter was very, very eager. And his courage failed him. May today we be eager and focused on the Lord.